I don't know, you ever feel like sometimes it just, when it rains, it pours though? And you ever get there in that, in that part of your life and if you're not there now, you have been and you can like understand what I'm saying. Like sometimes when it, when it rains, it just absolutely pours. You ever get in the car though and like you've gotten all dolled up for the day, you know? Come on guys, you know what I'm saying? Like you get all, <laughs> get all vibey, you get ready for the, the big work day or wherever you're going out. And you just roll up to the spot and it's like downpouring, right? Like it's just about, it's just pouring. You can't see out the windshield of your car and you're like, man, I'm gonna wait till it stops. And it just don't stop. And you get out and it, it, just, it just messes you all kind of up, you know? And you know, but there, there's, a, there's an invention that was invented. There's an umbrella. And see, the umbrella doesn't stop the rain, but it stops the effect of the rain on you, right? And so we've been walking through the book of Romans, and this is exactly what Paul's been talking about when he talks about this good news, the grace of God, which is like this umbrella that protects us. It doesn't, the rain doesn't stop, but it protects us from all the effects of the rain that is pouring and pouring and pouring all the time. And so we can live pretty steady. I mean, we're still affected. Like, it's still painful. I'm not, I'm not minimizing the pain that we actually feel because of this onslaught that falls and falls and falls. But there is this umbrella, this like saving grace that Paul's talking about. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But as he concludes uh, Romans 12, and today is going to be the last day we're walking through, through Romans together. We're going to finish up Romans 12. But as he concludes Romans 12, he's helping us to understand this pathway of true Christian victory. I wish I could title this, this, this uh, I discovered a brand new truth uh, in this passage we're about to read. The Greek word Nike is actually in this passage. And I didn't realize it. Like, this is, I'm, I'm learning alongside you guys sometimes. But Nike actually means victory. It means, like, win. And uh, so we're going to discover that word Nike is actually in this passage that we're going to look at. So Paul, when he talks about this good news, which is like this umbrella for us, um, he, he, he brings us into uh, this understanding, the pathway for Christian winning, like Christian victory in the face of downpours. So let's look at it. If you got your scripture, we're going to be in uh, chapter 12, verse 19. And he starts off, and this is, remember, this is like on down the line of, of uh, directives that he's given the church. He says, beloved, which means just one who is loved. Never avenge, that means inflict harm in return. Never avenge. There's no circumstance when we are the avengers. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. That word literally means to leave it, means to leave room for. It means make space for. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. It's like this experience, what it's talking about is like this heating up. You ever get into like, a, you realize you're wrong? Like you ever get like just caught? It's like deer in a headlights moment for you. Like maybe when you were young, you really felt the, the heat that burned off your face when you were caught. You remember that? Like when your teacher would call you out when you were super young before your heart was kind of jaded to being called out. For those of y'all troublemakers in the room, you understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? <laughs> like at first, like your face heats up. It's like I'm caught. 
And so what he's saying is you catch people by actually, instead of returning evil for evil, you give good instead of evil. And it's like, it's like shocking. It's like your face heats up because you realize that's not what I expected. I'm caught. I'm seen. And I begin to see myself. So he says, for by so doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, I don't know about you, but that's not always what I believe is going to fix the circumstance. Is it to you? Man, you know what I believe is going to fix the circumstance of my pain? Bring in some pain. Bring more pain. I'm going to win the game, you know? We're going to just do it. Come on, Nike. That word overcome is the word, is the word Nike. That's where the, the noun word, this is actually a verb form, but um, it comes from the word Nike, victory, to gain victory. But the way that we gain victory, we overcome evil with good. And that is what actually defeats the evil. And so uh, as we, uh, have, you ever, have you ever won an argument though and uh, you realize that you actually lost the war? Anybody, any married couples in the room, you understand what I'm saying? Like you win, but you did not win. And it was not good to win <laughs> that way. <laughs> we find this uh, as 12 concludes and he's very specific to us on how to actually win a true victory. And it's so easy to believe that the way to win that victory, you go and win the battle, you know, but you ain't going to win. And so we want to win true spiritual victory. Let's walk in that. Let's figure out what he's saying to us through Romans 12 about how to win spiritual victory. You with me today? Anybody with me? Let's go discover what it's looked like to win real victory. Number one, here's, here's what he's asking us how to discover uh, real victory is to trust in real power. Real power, not willpower, real power. And what was the power that we talked about in Romans 12? The power that we talked about was the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God to actually save, to actually do something. The power of God is in the good news. And you remember what good news was? What was good news? Anybody remember? What did it mean? Come on, we're going to talk back a little bit. You know, help me out. What did, what did it mean? Gospel. What was the gospel? It was, it was uh, good news. But the word comes from this, the, the word euangelion, which means good angel. You remember that? You remember that now? And if you remember, uh, good news was heralded first um, through, uh, let's see, I'm, sorry. I'm all kind of messed up up here. Luke 2, Luke 2, 11. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ Jesus. Guys, does it, have you ever thought about what, it, what does it mean that he's a savior? What did he save you from? Like, what did he actually save you from? Our sins, the result of those. Some of us might just believe that he saved you from a bad life to get you a good life. And I want to tell you, he didn't just save you to get you a good life. He saved you to actually redeem and make you alive. And when he says that he's a savior... What did he save us from? Do you remember uh, when Jesus was uh, being betrayed by Judas and he had gathered the army of men to come find Jesus the night that he was betrayed? Do you remember as they walked up to the garden that night and found Jesus, they came to him bearing uh, torches and knives and swords and he said, who do you come looking for? Why y'all coming like, like, like a gang coming to find, what, what is this? 
And you know, my favorite character of Jesus is, is Peter. And Peter, uh, being the guy that he is, pulls out his little knife that he had. And he goes for the kill shot, misses him, and cuts off part of his ear. And you know what Jesus says? You remember what he says? Jesus, Peter, put away that sword. He says, shall I not drink the cup my father has given me? What's this cup that, that, that Jesus is talking about? What is this cup? You know, this cup is referred to at the end of the book in, Roman, in Revelation 14. In Revelation 14, it says, They will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. I don't, I don't talk about this much because I'm, I'm like, it weighs me down. Like I, I feel the heaviness of this passage. But there is a reality that the wrath of God is actually coming. Do you ever get caught up thinking, God, where, where are you? Like why the heck do you allow bad stuff to happen all around me? I mean, I, I'm, I'm walking with students who are, are molested at a young age. Like where are you, God? Like come on, like you're so good, do something, Right? Like, I'm tired of seeing the pain. Like, the pain is so real. And some of y'all have so much of that pain. And you might have the same question. God, where were you when this happened to me? And if you ask that question, I want you to know, like, absolutely. But here's, here's what the scripture says. Let's go into the truth. Don't let the enemy use those things in your lives to, to pin you against the truth. The truth is this, and it's in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some of you understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So here's, here's the picture of all that we just shared. God is not naive to the evil of this world. In fact, he's not passive at all. And if you want to know God's stance on sin, look at the cross. Look at the brutality of what happened to Jesus because wrath was poured out on this person, Jesus. I mean, all of God's wrath and anger toward the sin that many of us, you and I, have experienced was actually displayed on a cross, and that is, is God's, God's face toward the evil that you and I face every single day. But the truth is that on the other side of the severity of God, there is this grace of God, and the scripture says it's like he's holding back the floodgates of fury to come against sin, and he says, just one more. Just one more. They're, come, they're, they're moving. They're moving. Just give him, give him one more second. Give him another moment. Give him a second. He doesn't want to pour his wrath out on anyone. You need to understand what the scripture says. He loved the world so much that he came and he died for them. But the reality of the, what the scripture says is there is coming a day where the wrath and fury of God is going to be poured out on this earth. So what did Jesus save us from? Jesus saved you and I, not just for a good life, but from the wrath and fury of God. Because I don't know about you, but uh, I'm numero uno sinner right here. Like the sin that I so hate, oh, I have participated. And you know what I most deserve? 
the wrath and fury of God, which in Revelation says he is going to pour out on this place. And so it humbles me to say, because what could I do to stop the fury of God? Because if he wanted to give it to me, he absolutely could. I can't do a thing about it. So if he did not do anything, then I got no good news. But here's what, what Romans is talking about all through. There is good news, everyone. Unto us, a Savior is born. His name is Jesus. And he's going to. Here's what he did. He took the cup when he told Peter, shall I not take the cup that the Father is going to give me? You know what cup he took? He took the cup of God's fury and wrath. And do you know what Revelation 14 talks about? It is that every single one of us has a cup that in it we have filled with all of our own mess. And unless today or you have brought it to Christ and said, I got no option, and he takes it from you and he drinks it, then your cup is still full. And Revelation 14 says, unless Christ come and take your cup of wrath and give to you a different cup, then your cup is still full. And the end says, you're going to drink it. But he holds back heaven to say, just wait just one more minute. Let him give it to me. Let him bring it to me. Oswald Chambers says it best, I think. He said, Jesus drank a cup of God's wrath without mercy, so we might drink a cup of mercy without wrath. So today, right where you sit, what cup do you hold? What's your cup full of right now? Jesus told us to observe for those of us who have believed and handed our cup to Jesus. Here's what he has done for us. Remember, he gave us a brand new cup of his promise. So I want to pause right now. And just like Jesus said, I want to reflect on what he said to do. And he said, every time you gather, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember the cup that I took and gave you a different cup. So I'm going to ask that our guys would pass around the cup today. And here's the deal. Before, as they're passing this, if today, if today you're sitting here, and you're saying, I have not trusted Jesus with my cup. He hasn't drank my, my cup, and I haven't taken his. Um, you can do that today. If you want to receive the good news in your life is, the cup that you deserve, all of the wrath and fury of God, you can hand that to Jesus today. And the scripture says that he will hand you a brand new promise. Right where you sit today, you can trust him, and that's where faith is. Here's what actually saves you. By faith you are saved. And this is a free gift of God. You can't earn it, friend. And today, if you need Christ to save you, would you in your spirit, would you hand him your cup that you're holding? Now your hands are like this. You just tell him, I'm holding the wrong cup and I know it. I deserve your wrath and fury and I haven't trusted you with my cup. And in exchange, would you give me your cup of promise? Because if you don't save me, I can't save myself. I want, your, I want you to save me today. It's a free gift, friend. Take it. And if that's not where you're at today, I'm going to ask that you not take this that's passed around. The scripture warns us against that, actually, and says, do not. It can actually be a pain for your physical body. It's actually inviting curse into your life to take this 
wrongly. But right where you are, you can have uh, freedom today through the promise that's been given. On the night that he was betrayed, he had his people around him. I think he calls us to do this often because it's so easy to forget this, is it not? Like it's so easy to forget the main, the main idea, the main thing. I get wrapped up in life, don't you? I just miss what this whole thing is about. The fact that I have a Savior who saved me from the very wrath of God that I so deserve. And as Jesus is sitting around with his people on the night that he was betrayed, he, he broke bread. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you so that your body doesn't have to be broken. Every time you get together, remember this and do in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, which is what we've been talking about. And he says, here's the deal. Here's what I want to give you in exchange for your cup. I want you to hand me your cup. Every one of us got one. Every one of us deserve it. Every one of us. And everyone outside these walls has one too. Here's the good news. The good news enters in the midst of bad news. That wrath and fury is coming. But Christ says, give me your cup and I'm going to give you a brand new cup, which is a brand new promise in my blood. Every time you get together, remember the promise that I gave you. You've been sealed by my blood and what I have done for you. Here's the new promise. I'm going to give you a blessing in exchange for a curse. Do this in remembrance of him. Do you see as Paul tells uh, the church of Rome, hey guys, beloved, one who is loved, from the exchange of evil that you receive, would you give away goodness? He modeled it for you first. True power to actually see that through comes from the Spirit of God that you must first receive in order to have anything to give away. The gospel is dynamite for you every moment of your life. And if it's not what you're receiving every moment of your life and drawing from that favor, you will have nothing to give away. You'll be doing what we talked about in Corinthians 12 and 13, where it says you could prophesy with all power and all knowledge. You could speak with the tongues of angels. You could give away all that you have to the poor. You could give up your body to be burned and you have not love. What are you? you are absolutely nothing. So true power is not morality, my friend. True power is the love of God that has entered your life through the good news of Jesus. And if you have received that today, then you've got it. Faith is what overcomes the world. And this comes from the person of Jesus. And if you have received it, friend, stop contemplating. You have it. Go give it away. Now begin to step by faith into what he's called you to. So the second thing for us to know as we begin to walk into victory, number two, win with good. Here's how we're going to have a victory. No matter what circumstance, we're going to give away what we have received. Give, uh, win with good. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome with evil. That means, come on, Nike, just do it. Ain't going to cut it. Jesus did it, and he gave it to you. You got it. Now just do it. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to give two practical things as we step away today, okay? Two practical things. You okay? You all good? 
Two practical things. To see victory happen right where you are today. Number one, would you compare similarities, not differences? You say, hold on. Let me unpack. People in your life, uh, I don't know about you, but I tend to create, uh, you've seen caricatures, you know what a caricature is? Like when somebody does you wrong, uh, I start thinking of what they've done wrong and it becomes all that I think about when I look at their face. You know what I mean? Like I see your face and I hate this about you, right? Like, and it gets bigger and bigger with every moment I see you and I don't tell you, but it's just getting growing and growing and growing and growing till, until it takes over my thoughts and I'm waking up in the morning looking at myself in the mirror and I find myself talking to myself, to them, you know, but not be really, t is anybody, anybody else as crazy as I am? Come on now, I don't feel so crazy anymore, thank you. Woo. But the problem comes when I, when I uh, compare differences. So they are not like me in this way, thus I, I don't like them. But in the reality of what we just talked about, that everybody's got a cup that's been filled and everybody's got something, would you start comparing uh, your similarities? What do you admire about yourself that you see in them? And then, uh, what is your great offense that nobody will know about? Because the temptation and the ease is that I see your offense, but I don't see mine, right? Oh, I can pick you out like a, I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm a really good judge. I'm good. I'm going to pick you up. So what have, what, what's on your list of things behind the background that nobody knows about? But can you think of why you are the way you are? What, they don't, what you don't know is here's the reason for those, and I got them all down the line, right? You got a reason for why you are the way you are? Maybe it's what you saw at your home your whole life. But see, we don't think about that list about other people. We only think about that for us. So we vindicate ourselves, right? I don't vindicate you because you don't got no backstory. You just got the problem. Fix it. Right? Anybody? Come on. I'm speaking some truth. I got the list. I got the reason, but I will never be as gracious to give you the reason. I don't think about their pain. I don't think about their story. I don't think about their hurt. So if you want to start winning victory today, here's a practical step. Start comparing similarities instead of differences. And I promise you, you're going to begin seeing them in a brand new light because the similarity is they carry in a cup. Which one do they hold? And if you'll let that carry more weight than the problem you see in their face, you'll be able and have the capacity to actually love them and give them what they really need. And the second thing, the last thing for us, would you remember that Jesus overcame? Would you remember that Jesus gave you a blessed cup and took your cup of wrath? Would you remember that today? Would you remember that tomorrow when you're walking into work? Would you hand him? Because we tend to pick, we want to pick up that empty cup. It's still empty, but I still want to hold it. Like it's mine, right? Would you, every single morning, would you wake up and just symbolically in your time, would you just hand it to him? I'm not asking you to read for an hour. I'm not asking you to pray for an hour. Would you just hand it to him and watch how you begin to change? Watch how the gospel begins to blow you up a little bit, transform you from the inside out. In 1902, uh, a girl named Mary Anderson um, lived in New York, 
and whenever the weather would begin to pour or whatever a system would roll in, she watched the city come alive and begin to bustle, but not just bustle, but turn to kind of chaos. And she noticed that as people were driving down the street, they were leaning their head out of their cars because in that day, there was no such thing as a windshield wiper. So you know what would happen when it would pour? Everybody would be sticking their head out. You been, anybody been to New York? You understand, like that would be my personal hell. Drive a car in the winter because it is so windy and cold. So you can imagine people rolling up, like you had wet hair, like you just rolling up, you froze, you know what I mean? <laughs> the sight that it would be. But you know what I find like so interesting? Do you ever think about the thing when you see a great invention show up, you're like, why didn't I think of that? Anybody, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, that was so obvious, but it wasn't. Do you know why it wasn't? Because it just, life becomes normal, like so quickly. You get used to the problems. You get used to dealing with it the way you deal with it. But you see, until something enters the scene, um, I'm just gonna deal with it. Until I start thinking differently, I'm just gonna deal with it the same way I've dealt with it. And before you know it, it's not really a problem or I don't see it as a problem. That's crazy, y'all, driving down New York, head out the window, I think that's crazy now. But in the moment, it was this revolutionary invention that wiped your windshield when you drove so you didn't have to hold your head out the window. It took her 10 years to build it, but she did it with a group of friends and investors. I don't wanna tell you today, maybe that's where you've sat, you've sat in church your whole life May this be that experience for you as Christ meets you today and hands you a cup of blessing. Would you start fighting a victory a little bit differently? Would you start winning a battle in a different way than you've ever won it before? You can't just do it. He has to do it for you. His name is Jesus. So if you need a victory today, go to the person Jesus and he says, I promise you, I'm gonna give you a gift of victory today. We're about to sing a song. Would you guys stand with me? And we're gonna recognize the victory today, the one who's overcome. Here's the deal. If you're sitting here today and uh, you don't know Jesus, you don't know the victory, uh, come talk to me please right now. And until then, let's just sing praises to the one who's given us victory. Thank you, Jesus.